Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Morning Devotion. Happy you're here. This, this is amazing. Sunday morning, day 15, 21 days of prayer. So Susan, hey mom, April, Doris, John, Sandra, Scott, Sue, Judy, Marianne, thank you. Thank you for being a part of this special, special family that gathers normally Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Central here, U.S. time. And But during 21 days, we just go nonstop. Stop. Crazy people that we are. We just carry on. But these are uncertain times, and it's a great time to get together and to see one another and to give shout outs to what God is doing in our midst, in the midst of a pandemic. We believe that God is still at work. So good morning to each and every one of you. Welcome. This is a group that we just decided a year ago that we can do this thing called life better together. And we can encourage one another, lift up each other's hands, pray for one another, and guide each other through life. Today, the crossroads, revival or ruin? Uh, and I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it now. I choose revival. What about you? Amen. So welcome. Join in with us. Be part of this growing group. And everybody that's on here, you know, like the page, follow the page, share the page, be a part of this growing group and celebrate what God is doing in our midst. Hey, don't be silent. Don't be a lurker. Don't be a spectator. Come on down to the arena. Leave a miracle report. Leave an answered prayer. Leave a thumbs up. And of course, leave notes and comments about what you would like to see God do in your life, in the week ahead, in the days ahead, and in the lives of those you love. Who knows? Today may be the day for an answered prayer in your life. Day 15, 21 days of prayer. So, Lana, hey, Brother Patrick, it's good to see you. Praying for you, my friend. Lisa, Sarah, thank you. Thank you for being a part of this. 75 years ago today, U.S. President Truman declared a day of prayer. Why? Because Japan had laid down her arms and the Second World War came to a close. And Truman, in his declaration of August 16, 45 years ago, 19, or 75 years ago, 1945, he said, Our global victory has come with the help of God, and let us dedicate ourselves to follow in his way. If the help of God was needed 75 years ago, how much more? for the day that we are living in. We face a battle on every hand, unnamed forces, old ancient foes have arisen of rage and bigotry and vice and wickedness. We need God's help. We need God's help to have a victory in our day. Revival or ruin? We stand at the crossroads. If we choose ruin, we will see a nation crumble, not perish from without, but from within. If we choose revival, we will see a nation born again and arise. And when things look the bleakest, I understand 
And when the outlook seems the darkest, you and I know that there's a torch of truth that's lifted high and God sends light in the evening. His word says, here, here's the motif in Genesis, and the evening and the morning were the first day, that God begins a sunrise at sunset, that he does his best work in the evening time, that God is doing something and he signals a new day when night seems to be enveloping our world. Someone once said that people in search of gold explored South America, but people in search of God explored North America. America needs to return to God, not to gold, to revival, not to ruin, and that's the choice that's facing us today. There's not going to be a middle ground. There's not going to be a third way. We will either choose revival in this country or we will see America in ruins. It's in his book, Preparation for Pentecost. James Stewart describes a revival. A revival as being the manifestation of the supernatural, the people of God filled with the presence of God the sovereign, supernatural, spontaneous moving of the Holy Spirit, saints on their faces on behalf of lost souls, saints on their feet racing to tell others the good news, backsliders restored to the thrill and joy of first love, the breaking out of the glory of God, the people of God living in the power of the unquenched spirit of God, the church of God being filled with the fullness of God, the church crowded in the upper room waiting on the promises of heaven. He described it as an invasion of light of God into the darkness of this world. Revival, he said, is our hearts filled with joy, our mouths filled with praise. That's my choice. What about you? What about you? That's my choice. So Jennifer and Joy and Lord, that is what I'm choosing. It was the late Adrian Rogers who said, some have given up and they're saying it's too late for America. And I, I, I apologize to those watching in other parts of the world. Just substitute your country's name. It's too late for America. But Adrian Rogers said, I refuse to believe that because of the word thou. Psalm 85, 6, wilt thou not revive us again? If it depended on us, Roger said, indeed, it would be too late. But as long as there's a God, as long as there is a vow, there is hope for our nation and for revival and for an awakening. And that's my sentiments. As long as there is a God, there is hope. It was John the Baptist who came in the spirit of Elijah. And I think back to Elijah's day. What bad shape it was in. Ahab, Jezebel, loose the moral moorings of God's people. Jezebel was busy uh, muzzling all the voices of the Lord's prophets. The days grew so dark that Elijah himself believed he was the only voice left. Do you know the feeling? Do you get the feeling? But he discovered later that there were 7,000 people who still believed. He took a stand. God showed up and ruin was avoided revival came. If we choose to be silent, we choose to run to our caves, then we're choosing ruin. If we choose to go along with the crowd, we choose ruin. If we choose to not teach our children and the next generation the ways of God, we're choosing ruin. If we don't value marriage and value the unborn, we choose 
ruined. If we don't lift up the word of God as the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path, we're choosing ruin. When we ignore the needs of those around us, turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to the hurts and the pains, we're choosing ruin. Revival begins. It always starts with God. When you turn your heart toward God, he, there is a vow. As long as there is a vow, there is hope. We choose him. We cry out to him. I, I like to quote uh, J. Edwin, or I quoted it in the book on prayer. Whenever God's ready to do something new with his people, he always sets them to pray. And do you believe that? Do you believe that Joe and Christine and Brenda, Bob, do you believe that with all of your heart? That when God is getting ready to do something, he starts his people praying. You see that in the Bible again and again when Israel cried out while in bondage. Again, through the book of Judges, God heard their cries. God brought deliverance. Cornelius, when he cried out to God, prayed to God, revelation came in the form of Simon Peter and an angel. When God is ready to do something new, he's going to get us to pray. He's going to get us to moving toward that. I want to borrow two, two names from the two great awakening in America's history. And I just want to describe how people began to pray during that time. First of all, is George Whitefield. Our forefathers, you know, came to America in search of spiritual freedom, God, not gold, but spiritual awakening and uh, material uh, were overshadowed by material pursuits. And one, material pursuits, God and mammon, they're not on equal footing. Mammon's always going to try to win. Mammon became America's pursuit early on. And those early Protestants began to fade away. Increase Mather said in the year 1678, the clear sound conversions are no longer frequent. He said, I'm looking around at the generation. I'm seeing profane drunkards. Now, not just drunkards, profane drunkards, swears, licentious, scoffers at the power of godliness. That's what he said in 1678. Looking at the few of the prominent sermon and sermon titles during those early decades, 1700, Samuel Willard preached the perils of the times displayed. 1711, Stephen Buckingham preached the unreasonableness and danger of a people renouncing their subjection to God. In 1730, William Russell preached the decay of love to God in churches, offensive and dangerous. You get the picture. There's always been a struggle going on between light and darkness. Uh, What was going to be done during that time? The answer came from a young man who attended Oxford University. His name was George Whitefield. George Whitefield joined a prayer meeting at Oxford with the Wesley brothers. He would go on and make 13 crossings of the Atlantic. He bridged the gap between the old new world. Oh, in the old world, he preached to kings. In the new world, he preached to commoners and slaves. Uh, He preached to everybody, small groups of people. He preached to thousands. Most of his messages, though, were outdoor. Benjamin Franklin came under the spell of George Whitefield. Uh, He said that, Whitefield's voice commanded so much respect, it carried so that 30,000 people could hear him preach at one time. Yeah, I like what another person in the First Great Awakening said about what God was doing during that time. It was Jonathan Edwards who said time after time when religion seemed to be almost gone and it was come to the last extremity, then God granted 
a revival. I choose revival, folks. I choose revival. You say, well, Brother Gurley, I don't know if it's the will of God for, for God uh, for God to send us revival. It is always the will of God for people to be saved. It is always the will of God for people to be delivered. It is always the will of God for light to win out over darkness, for people to awaken themselves from slumber and say, I'm going to see a mighty move of God in my day, in my family, in my country, in my church, We are going to see it. George Whitefield was the vessel that God used to bring that first great awakening. Let me give you another one. And this one I find really, I find really interesting. James McGrady. James McGrady was used in the second great awakening. Yeah. Back uh, when the westward expansion took place in America, uh, Kentucky, the present state of Kentucky swelled in population, frontier towns were crude and rude and lewd and devoid of God and churches. And James McGrady left a comfortable church on the East Coast and went to a place preachers called Rogues Harbor in Logan County, Kentucky. He began to pray and fast. He got others to pray and fast with him. What was the result? Those outdoor meetings called camp meetings that would last for a hundred years began to happen. One writer said you knew you were approaching one of the camp meetings where McGrady was preaching because the noise would be like the sound of Niagara, like the roar of those great falls, people shouting, moaning, shrieking, falling out under the power of the Spirit. It all started with a person and a few people who said, let's pray, let's bind together, and let's pray until revival comes. Uh, The lesson here in this second great awakening with James McGrady seems it doesn't take a massive organization, doesn't take a lot of planning and scheming. Someone just has to grasp it and claim it and say, we're at a crossroads and I choose revival. I don't choose ruin. Uh, I want to see an awakening. It's not going to come with a committee and it's not going to come from a board meeting. It's not going to come from a slick advertising campaign. It's going to start when individuals uh, begin to seek the face of God and lift their voices to the Lord. uh, And God begins to respond to that. I believe it's already happening. I believe it's already beginning. Oh, praise God. We are focused in these 21 days on the comparative and superlative that God is greater and greatest, more and most, better and best. Let me give you another comparative and superlative. He's swifter and he is swiftest. It's called provenient grace, the grace that goes before, like that pillar of cloud by day that led them. God gets there first. He's going to get there before we do. I like Exodus 1. It simply says Joseph was in Egypt already before Jacob got hungry, before famine came to Canaan's land. Joseph was in Egypt already before the the need became apparent uh, and the desperate times arrived. uh, God got Joseph into Egypt to provide grain uh, for his people. Joseph is called the Jesus of the New Testament's quality of our God. He gets there 
first. Oh, I love that. John the Baptist said of Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But John the Revelator said of Jesus Christ in Revelation 14, he is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world before man was created, before man sinned in the mind of God, the plan of God, the logos of God, uh, a lamb had already been slain. Uh, he is the God who gets there first. He is the God that got, to, oh my, I, I'm going to say it. He is the God that got to the crazy year of 2020 before you and I ever got here. He saw it first. He knew what we were going to face. He inspected this year and said, yeah, even old mad dog 2020, I can use this year and bring glory out of this year. He examined it. He looked at it carefully and said, I'm going to give my people enough grace to get through this year. I'm going to give my people enough, enough grit to conquer and be victorious. Uh, I'm going to give you the power and the sustaining, prevenient grace. Uh, I'm going to leave joy and miracles throughout this year. I believe on August 16 today, on this Sunday, God, I don't know when, in the eons of time past, uh, the Lord looked at today and said, I am just going to sprinkle this uh, with stardust. I'm going to leave diamonds uh, everywhere. I'm going to drop gems and pearls for each of my people to find. Uh, you see, he brought us to this crossroad. You're either going to trust him and see an awakening. You're going to look to him and see your po his power, or you're going to look to that arm of flesh and trust in yourself. You're going to choose the wrong path. This is the day. Friends, neighbors, folks, morning devotion, this is the day. We are at a crossroads. Uh, it's either revival or ruin. For you, for me, for everything and everyone we love. I don't know why I feel impressed to say it, but I just feel impressed to say this. It's not too late. Don't think it's over. Don't throw in the towel. Trust in the living God. Trust in God. Yolanda, Mel, and Sandra, and Agnes, trust in the living God. Even though everything around us may bear no marks of life, he's alive and he's at work and we are moving into our awakening. And as I come to a close in just a few moments here, I want you to just declare it uh, and say, this is my day. This is my hour. I'm going to see the miracles happen in my life. I'm going to see my family turn around. I'm going to see my church turn around. I'm going to see my nation turn around. I'm going to see the revival that God has promised us in these last days. Uh, would you do something? Would you leave a prayer request? Would you leave a miracle report? Would you just say, God, I know you're doing something in my midst. And would you promise to circle back around and say, I'm praying for you and you and you and you and you. And let's see. Let's, let's don't see ruin, folks. Let's see the revival that can only come from the hand of God. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of this. In Jesus' name, go with Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.